I'm very excited this morning to um, be here with you, with, you guys, with you guys. And God has been laying so much things on my heart this, uh, this last couple of weeks and, and, and months. And um, yeah, Wednesday I was just wrestling with the content, wrestling with this content that, that God has been, been, been given to me, laying in my heart. Um, and it's been good because the message is firstly what God wants to share is, is firstly for me, right? It's for me and my, my family. So it's been good just wrestling through the content. Um, and I believe that uh, we're speaking about this morning positioning for promise. And I believe that the message that God has laid on my heart um, is really powerful. And the things that some of the key things that we're going to go speak, speak through is really key for us as Christians um, and in our, in our Christian walk. But before we um, do that, I just want to... I can share a little bit around myself, who I am. I'm Stephen, Stephen Montgomery. Um, I'm married to a beautiful young lady. I think she's in the back there, Yvette Montgomery. Oh, there she is. Uh, Yvette Montgomery, she's looking after our uh, four-month-old four um, baby girl, new addition to our family. Uh, Yvette, she's such a blessing to me. I, I cannot imagine not being married. I cannot imagine not having her my, in my life. Um, yeah, she's my best friend. We met 11 years ago. Uh, we started dating 11 years ago when we were still both in high school. So she's my high school sweetheart. Uh, she's my best friend. She's the love of my life. She's my lover. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's just really a blessing to me. I think she must write a book on how to bless your husband. Um, and many of the husbands will, will, will be blessed by that. Even the clothing this morning, she, she woke up and she ironed my clothing. You know, everything was very gekrikkeld. Uh, but she, she woke up early and ironed. So I just want to thank you both. Um, yeah, I love you. Yeah, so we, we met uh, a long time, or oh, 11 years ago in, in, in Cape Town, in Stellenbosch. Uh, we both come from, from Cape Town. We were born and raised there, and uh, we went to Stellenbosch to, to study. Um, and uh, in my third year of my studies, God spoke to me, and He told me that I must apply for a bursary. So I got a hold of every possible bursary I could, and I applied for all of them. And all of them came back and said, no, your mark's not good enough, or this is not good enough, that's not good enough. Everybody rejected me, um, except one company that didn't come back to me, and that's Mercedes-Benz. Uh, but in case they didn't come back to me, so I thought, oh, well, they probably also didn't accept my application. Um, but like a, a month afterwards, they phoned me out of the blue and said, hey, uh, we want to have a telephone interview with you. And they had a telephone interview, and then they said, no, I must fly up to East London. That was my first time I actually had been to East London. Um, and they said, uh, long story short, they gave me a bursary, gave me opportunity to come and work here as an intern for Mercedes-Benz. And, um, and yeah, I got a permanent, permanent job later on. But So my fourth year, I, w- I was on a bursary. And at the end of my fourth year, me and my wife, we got married. And we uh, took basically a honeymoon up from Cape Town to East London. And here we are, four, year, four and a half years later, we're still here in East London. And we really love East London. We feel we are called to be here. Um, and even though all the rest of our family is still in Cape Town and we miss them, uh, East London is home. When we go to Cape Town, it's no longer home. East London is home. So I, I've got such a um, heart for East London, and I see so much potential here in, in East London. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about me and about, yeah, about also a baby girl is Frances, Frances Theresa Montgomery. And she's been such a blessing to us. Yeah, like I said, she's four months old. And uh, yeah, she's really been, been blessing us and keeping us, keeping us up. So in any case, yesterday I was, um, I was actually busy uh, preparing my, my introduction. You can see I, I was preparing my introduction and I was looking after Francis. 
uh, Yvette went out a bit and I was looking off at Frances and I thought, you know, she would just be lying around there and I could, you know, prep my introduction. It wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, most of my, my preparation for the introduction for this morning was something like, Hello, my bookie, hello, Luffy, hello, Papa Sabokis. You know, that, that was pretty much the, the hour and hour and a half that I had to, to prepare. Um, but yeah, she's, she's such a blessing. Um, so this morning we're speaking about positioning ourselves for promise and, and this message is on my heart because when I look around when I'm at work or at home or wherever where I meet Christians and I meet people that call themselves Christians but when I look at their lives their lives look very similar to the lives of the people in the world the people that don't know Jesus the people that, that's not Christians and this bothers me I don't know if it bothers you but it, it bothers me if someone calls himself a Christian but their life is so similar to, to the life of an un, unbeliever also meet Christians that really just struggle f- through life and, you know, it's just, they just chan ma'an. And, and, and this also bothers me because I believe God has called us to be a, a generation or He's called us to be a nation that's set apart, set apart for Him. He's called us, uh, there's so many promises and blessings uh, in the Scriptures and God wants to, I believe God's the Father, He wants to pour His favor onto us. So it, it bothers me when I see Christians struggling so much. And it bothers me when I see Christians not walking in the promises of, of God. So this is why this message is really on my heart this morning. And I believe why people are struggling so much and, and often their lives are not different is because we're not, we're not positioning ourselves for the promise of God. We're not positioning ourselves to actually experience and receive the favor of God on our lives. So are you, are you with me this morning? Okay, there's four things that I want to speak about this morning in positioning ourselves to, in the promise of God. And the first thing is that we need to actually know the promises of God. We need to know Scripture. We need to know the promise of God. The second thing is we need to know our responsibility within the promise of God. Third thing, we need to actually practice our responsibility. And the fourth thing, we need to declare His promises. Okay, we're going to unpack that, that four concepts as, as we go along. But let's just pray. Let me just pray for us before we get into the content. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, Father, Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for this message that I believe you've laid on my heart. God, I pray that every word that I say and that I speak, that it will bring a smile to your face. And God, I pray that every truth that I release this morning, God, that it will go into our hearts and be cemented into our hearts and into our lives, Father. And God, I pray that every word that I speak here that's from myself and not of you, I pray that they will just go by the wayside and the people will forget it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're speaking about positioning ourselves for the promises of God. And the first point there is actually knowing the promise of God. So let's go to Matthew 4, verse 1 to 4. We're going to start reading it for us. Matthew 4, verse 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came, he said, to him he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. Let's say that. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now in this portion of Scripture, we see Jesus finding himself in a situation. Now just like me and you, we often find ourselves in life, we find ourselves in situations. You know, life happens. Things, things happen in a situation. And in this specific situation, Jesus was fasting for 40 days, so he was hungry, and he was tired, and he must have been a bit grumpy, you know, not in the mood for the devil and the temptations and the struggles and getting through life. You know, Jesus wasn't feeling 
all up there probably in this. He was a little bit down. So who, who of you have been in situations of life um, where you've actually found, felt like a bit down and out? You know, you're just not in that place where you want to do spiritual warfare and you feel so, so strong and passionate. But let's look at what Jesus does when in the situation. What Jesus does is he says, it is written. And I believe that for every situation that we face in life, there is a it is written that we can and that we should use. There's an it is written, there's a portion of scripture, there's a promise that we should use. The it is written. When we face a challenge at work or in home, there's something, there's an it is written that we, sh- we should say. But if we don't know the scriptures, if we don't know the promise, we won't know what to, to say. Are you with me? So Jesus in this situation, he tells Satan, he says, it is written and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what Jesus was saying here to Satan, Satan, yes, I need bread for my body to sustain my body, but that's, I'm firstly a spiritual being. That, that doesn't sustain me. The words of God, the presence of God sustains me, firstly. And that's why I can tell you that I don't need the bread that you want me to, to you, I don't need to turn the stone into bread that you want me to do. No, no, because I'm sustained by the words of God. I'm sustained, my spirit is sustained. So what Jesus, this is what Jesus was saying to Satan, but what Jesus is also telling to us, and what we should learn from this, is very simply is that if we don't know the word of God, Jesus is actually saying that we are starving. Are you seeing this? Or in more harsh terms, if we don't know the promise of God, if we don't know the word of God, then basically we're spiritually dead. Are you seeing this? So when it comes to positioning ourselves in the promise of God, the first thing that we need to do is we need to actually know the promise of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. So the second thing there is that we need to know my responsibility. Okay, we need to know our responsibility within this promise. Philippians 2 verse verse 12. Mouth gets so dry when you speak here. Okay, Philippians 2 verse 12. So then, my dear, dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instruction with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Let's say that. Work out your salvation. But whoa, 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 Paul. Paul is writing this. Whoa, 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 Paul. I don't quite agree with you. What's this thing about working out my salvation? Salvation is a gift, right? Salvation is free. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Paul, you must be, you must be a little bit crazier. Why, why are you saying work out your salvation? Scripture in Romans 10, it says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. Not so? Paul, you must be smoking something here, brother. Something cheap. You must be smoking something cheap here. But let's, just, let's give him a chance. Let's, let's continue reading. And let's see what, what he's actually speaking about here. Continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspiring fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Can I read it again so it can sink in? Work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Cultivate your salvation. Bring it to full effect. Bring your salvation to full effect. 
actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspiring fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or distract or discredit the name of Christ. Now, K.P. Hannon, in, in his book, Road to Reality, he, he explained this concept about salvation in, in, in the following way. He says that we haven't yet come to the full understanding of the cross. We must return to Calvary. The glory and presence of Christ will return to our lives and churches only when we rediscover the cross of Christ. The cross has two operations. First, on, on it, sorry, first on it, Christ paid the penalty for our sin and thus brought bought our eternal salvation. But it doesn't stop there. The second work of the cross provides for our ongoing sanctification, the daily continuous crucifixion of our flesh. This great doctrine is not very popular lately because it requires a voluntary acceptance of death to ego or self. So what he's saying is, yes, salvation is a gift, and yes, it is free, and it is is of God, and there's nothing we can do to earn our forgiveness of sins. Now, Jesus, once and for all, he died for the forgiveness of our sins. But there's another portion of the cross, the working out of salvation portion, which is the portion where we need to actually make a daily decision to crucify self, our egos, our flesh, to the cross, so that we can grow in godliness and become more Christ-like. And every time we crucify ourselves to the cross, we're actually enthroning Jesus on our lives. There's a saying that says that when, if Jesus is on the cross, then self is on the throne of our lives. But if self is on the, on the cross, then Jesus is in, in the throne in our, on our li- in our lives. So when it comes, when it comes to this part of uh, working out our salvation, to that portion of, of, of salvation, it is our responsibility. Not God's responsibility. It's our responsibility to work out our salvation. It's our responsibility to grow in godliness and to become um, more Christ-like. So, and how do we do it? It's easy for us to do it, actually, because God has given us already everything in, in life to do it. You know, it's, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't wait for, for some mystical experience with God to transform our character from selfish to godly. I'm going to say it again. We shouldn't wait for some mystical experience with God to transform our character from selfish to godly. Now, God has given us His Holy Spirit. He's, he's anointed us. He's given us everything to, that pertains to life and life in abundance. He's given us spiritual gifts. He's setting us up for a win in this area. He's setting us up for a win to, to be able to grow in godliness, to be able to become um, more Christ-like. But we actually need to fight that fight. Are you with me this morning? Amen? So when it comes to um, positioning ourselves in the promise of God, we need to know our responsibility and our, it's our responsibility to grow in godliness and to become more Christ-like. The third point there is after that we need to actually practice our responsibility. James 1 verse 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listen, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives life and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So very simply what, it's, what Scripture is saying is, 
Don't expect to walk in the promise of God if we don't actually do as the Word of God says. We cannot expect to walk in the promises of God if we don't actually do as Scripture says, as the, as the Word of God says. We live in times where, and, and in a part of the world, um, where information, in a sense, has become very cheap. Because in a sense, it's, it's so freely available to us in this part of the world where we, we live in. Right? I mean, we can go to Kumbuks now, and we can go and get loads of books about becoming more Christ-like. Or even easier, you can take out your, your phone right now, and you can search the web on a topic of becoming more Christ-like, and you'll find thousands of articles and thousands of, of books around that topic. But the problem with information alone, the danger with information alone is, when you read enough of it, it's got the, the danger to make you feel that you are experienced in that field. Let me explain a bit better. So we will read a lot of books and articles about Christianity, and after enough information that we've gained, we'll start to think that we're very experienced at Christianity. We start to think that we're very good at Christianity. But what's often the case is we actually have zero experience. It's only knowledge, it's only information that we've, we've gained. So um, when we compare ourselves to some of the um, other countries in the world, like in Asia or uh, in India or China, where information around Jesus and and the gospel is still very limited and it's awesome work that Mark and these guys are doing to get the information to them. But when they get the information, they value the information. They grab hold of the information and they implement it into their lives. And it's this implementation that, uh, that then brings forth amazing fruits. And the church is amazingly growing quickly in, in China and, and in, in India. And I believe it's because of this principle that they actually becoming they doers of the word, not hearers of the word only. They're taking their little information that they get and they practice it. But here we're often overloaded with so much information we actually never get to the, the practicing side. So when it comes to practicing my response, or when it comes to positioning ourselves in the promise of God, we have to um, practice our responsibility. And uh, when it comes to positioning yourself in the promise of God, it's always um, practicing our responsibility, always far outweighs reading about it. Practicing Christianity always far outweighs reading about Christianity. You know, people in the world and in, in work and at, at home and with my, my, my child one day, she doesn't need me to be a master student in Christianity. She needs to, me to be an experienced Christian, someone that lives Christ. People out there don't want us, don't want us to tell them uh, they, yeah, they don't want us to tell them about Christianity. They want to see Christianity. They want to be able to look at our lives and say, Yo, I see Jesus. I see the scriptures. You're living it out. That's what they see. They're looking for an experience, not theology or a, or a nice message. People must look at us and say, Wow, I can see Jesus in you. That's a real compliment. If people come to you and say, Yo, I can see Jesus in you. Look like Jesus. Then that's saying that you're practicing the scriptures. Amen? Our life is the message. Amen? Amen. I can see there's a lot of, a lot of people here very excited about going to live, live out this message. Okay, so like I said there, when it comes to positioning yourself a promise, actually becoming doers of the word, we need to actually become doers of the word and not hearers only. Okay, and practicing Christianity, practicing the promises of God, practicing our responsibility is actually much better and has much more weight 
than just reading about it. So the last point there, declaring His promises. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what the scripture is saying is here, that every word we speak, everything we, we say, it either brings life, it either creates life, or it brings a curse. It brings death. Now most of us here, you know it, and um, you know that we need to declare the promises of God over one another, and here at Shofar we've got a culture of uh, often declaring God's promises over our own bodies and over uh, other, other people. For example, we know that cross took our sins and he took our sicknesses on the cross. He bore it on the tree. He, by his stripes we are healed. So what we would typically do is we, we would pray over people. We would speak over them. In the name of Jesus, I declare healing over you. Because of the, of the stripes of Jesus, because of his blood, because of the cross, I declare healing over you. Right? <clears throat> and that's good. <clears throat> Sorry. That's good, declaring the promise of God. But what I'm talking about here goes much deeper and goes much further and it goes to the level where we need to align and we need to shift our thinking so that every thought we think and every word we speak actually aligns, lines up with the promises of God. Because what would happen is in this service, in a formal setting like this, or maybe in your quiet times, you'll declare healing over your body. Right? We'll declare healing over someone. But as soon as you go out of this door or you leave for the office and you get a symptom of flu or something, then you'll say something like, ah, I'm just getting sick again. Ah, uh, by my luck, I'll never get healed. Uh, I'm just going to have to go to the doctor again. I'm going to have to get some meds. Ah, uh, that's just the way it is, you know. I often get, get sickness. Do you see the contrast here? In the one sentence, we, with the same mouth, we're speaking God's promise. We're saying, body be healed in Jesus' name. And the other thing, we're speaking, cursing. We're saying, I can't get healed. I won't get healed. I get sick often. And this is what I'm speaking about here. When it comes to declaring God's promises, we're not, not only focused on the formal way of declaring His promises, but we need to realign our thinking and every thought that goes through our mind, every word we speak must, align, must line up with the promise of God. Otherwise, we cannot expect the promise of God to come to fulfillment. So in the next slide there is just, in a sense, the summary of, of the message. And we're going to... Afterwards, we're going to get a little bit practical. I'm going to show you actually how to implement this message in, in, your, in your life. But I put this slide together there. I know some, some like to take a picture of, the, of, of some of the slides, luckily only there, so they, can, uh, so they can share with others what the message was all about. But this is a snapshot of the, of the message. In summary, we said position, when it comes to positioning ourselves to the promise of God, we need to know the promises of God, firstly. We need to read Scripture and we need to get to know the promises. We need to also know my responsibility within that promise. I must, I must pursue godliness and becoming Christ-like. That's my responsibility, not God's. Then I need to actually practice my responsibility. We need to become doers of the Word. We need to practice Christianity, and you know, practicing Christianity far outweighs reading about it. And then we actually need to declare His promises. We need to align our thinking and the words and our words with God's promises. Okay, but now, Stephen, how do I actually implement this message into my life? How do I make this real for me? Ah, guys, thanks for that question. Thanks for that question. I was, I was hoping someone would ask. Um, so what I've chosen here, I've chosen one scripture, 
that we're going to just look at and we're going to implement this message on the scripture. So when, you read, when you're at home and you're reading scripture, I want you to start thinking in this, this way. If you want to position yourself for promise, then we should start thinking this way. The, the scripture that I chose is 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. Um, and you're gonna, we're going to read it now. But I chose this promise because I'm for South Africa and I love South Africa and I want God to come and heal and restore our, our, our country, South Africa. Is there anybody else that also wants that? Okay, so here's a promise of God in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Okay, so we've got a portion of scripture there. Getting practical. Now we're going to look at what is God's promise to us in this scripture. You can go to the next slide. Okay, what is God promising in this specific scripture? What is He promising? He's promising that He will hear from heaven. Every time we pray, He's saying that He will hear us. He will hear from heaven, He will forgive our sins, and He will heal our land. Okay? Now we also, that's the first point. So we understand it, we know that. This is what God is promising us. Now we need to ask, what is our responsibility within this promise? Our responsibility is that we must humble ourselves. We must pray. We must seek His face. And we must turn from our wicked ways. Do you see where I'm going with this? God's responsibility, my responsibility. Let's go to the next one. How do we actually practice? How do we implement or how do we practice, get to practice this responsibility? Okay, well, we need to humble ourselves. So if we want to humble ourselves, we need to look for opportunities to humble ourselves. So when we in an argument with our wife at home or with our children or when we're at work and we're arguing about certain topics, we need to be aware, for example, about our heart and the pride in our heart. Am I arguing with logic? Am I arguing with truth? Am I arguing with facts? Or is there pride in my heart that I'm arguing with? And if we realize there's pride in our heart, then we need to go back afterwards and say, babes, I'm sorry, you were actually right. I was prideful in my heart. And you were right. We're going to do it the way you said. Or when it's at work, we need to tell people, you know what, when I thought about it again, you were actually right. I was wrong. Let's go with your decision. Can we do that? Can we start practicing becoming more humble? Maybe more a simple thing. You, you're at work, you're in a meeting room, and uh, people are coming, or, uh, and the, the meeting room is already filled. Every, all the chairs are filled. And someone else just pops into the room. How about standing up and say, Hey, man, I prefer that you sit down. I'll rather stand. How about honoring some, someone else? Or at work when someone tells you, You're a great job in that project. You did so well. How about saying, You know, thanks for that. Thanks for the compliment. I receive it. But you know, so-and-so also worked on the same project with me. And I believe that they deserve just as much credit. Can we start doing that? Shifting the spotlight to other people. Honor other people. Honoring, honoring other people above ourselves. So that's what we've got to start looking for. If we want this promise, if we want God to heal our country, heal South Africa, this is one of the things that's our responsibility. We need to grow in, 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 in being humble. Okay, so we're looking for opportunities to, to grow in humble. We need to pray. Okay, that's easy. We need to pray for our country. Okay, it doesn't help we say, God, heal our country, but we don't actually put time aside to pray. We need to see God's face. We need to book time in our calendar or in our diaries to actually just worship God. We need to set time aside to come to Him, just worship Him. No hidden agendas, just worship Him. Get into His presence, just seek His face. Because when we seek His face, our perspective on life changes. Other thing, we need to turn from our wicked ways. Okay? So this can be a difficult one. But um, simply start by looking at one 
critically look at your life and look at one area of your life. Let's take, for example, swearing. Say, I'm struggling a lot with swearing. So I'm taking swearing and I'm saying, God, I'm going to be ruthless at cutting out swearing in my life. Because I know it's something I do often and I know, God, you dislike it. So I'm going to start from this week on, I'm going to start cutting out swearing in my life. I'm going to put up boundaries. Every time I swear, I'm going to say, at the end of the day, I need to do 50 push-ups for every swear word I say. Uh, every time I swear, I'm going to have to phone a friend and tell him, hey, I swore again. Uh, maybe every time you swear, you're going to skip a meal. You're going to have a, a very thin people in, in, in church. But we need to do something. We need to do something to actually cut this stuff out of our life. If we're not intentional and proactive about these things, it won't just go away. This is our responsibility to cut out these things. And God, like I said, God has given us all the tools. He's given us His Holy Spirit to help us to do it. But we must actually fight that fight. We must, we must do it. Okay, and, and lastly there, the next slide, declaring His promises. So we're gonna de- we need to start declaring this, for this specific promise. We must declare that and say, God hears my, my prayers. When I pray, God is hearing my, my prayers. God is busy forgiving the sins of the people of this country, of South Africa. God is busy restoring our nation. He's busy healing our country, South Africa. But then we've got to go one step further. And this is more the tough part. We've got to stop complaining about our country. We've got to stop complaining about our government. We've got to stop complaining about President Jacob Zuma. We've got to stop complaining about the municipality. We've got to stop complaining about not having electricity sometimes. We've got to stop complaining about not having water sometimes. We've got to stop complaining about the potholes. Because we can't say, God, you are healing our land, and then say, oh, this is a terrible government. This is a terrible country. You know, I was doing a lot of the preparation work on Wednesday and going through this. And and on Thursday when I went to work, someone gave me a, a lift. And as I was driving down... He said, um, he said to me, you know, we, we need more people like you in, in, in this country. I said, what do you mean? I didn't tell you anything. He said, what do we mean? I said, no, um, we need people to pray for South Africa. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, why? He said, no, because this country is going to the dumps. It's going down. Everything is just going worse and worse and worse. Um, everything is just going to the dumps. And he's so worried about his children. And, and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I actually don't believe what you're saying is true. Because I serve a God who's powerful. And He's given me a promise that He's going to heal our country. If I do certain things, He's going to heal our country. He's going to restore our country. And I could see something in His eyes started to shift. Because He was a Christian. And I, and I told Him, you know, there's actually a scripture that says that if we seek God's face, if we pray, if we humble ourselves, if we turn from our wicked ways, God promises that He will heal our land. And I could see something starting to come on in His mind. And He said, yes. And I told Him, yes. So don't say this country is going to the dumps. Let's start praying for this country. Let's start um, pursuing this promise of God. Are you, are you with me? We can't speak in the one that a, a curse and then at the other end expect that God is going to somehow bless, bless us. Amen? So, um, that's basically it. Can I, can I challenge you guys to, to do it this, this week? Can I challenge you to take this one portion of Scripture? Like you already know the scripture. You already know God's promises. You already know your responsibility. Can I challenge you to, in this week, just this week, go and practice your responsibility. Guys, if we start to do this as a group, just this group of people here, if we actually start to do this, we will see massive change in South Africa. 
We will see massive healing in our country. So can we do it? Who's with me? A lot of you said we love South Africa. Oh, I love peer pressure. Everybody, everybody's in on it. So I've gone one step further, and we're going to we're gonna all stand together in, in a moment. But I've written a craft prayer. And maybe you've heard Andre speak about craft prayer. It's actually a concept of Graham Cook. But very simply, it's just taking a portion of Scripture, taking a promise, and rewriting it in your own words. Like writing a decoration or writing a, a statement of faith. You actually craft the prayer, you write it down, so that you can every morning when you wake up, you can actually pray that thing into being. Or it's at least a kickstarter for your prayer. Okay? So I'm going to go through. This is, this is my craft prayer, specifically on this, this promise and, and also of implementing this, this message in, into my life. So I'm going to read it and then we're going to stand. And if you want to see changes in Africa, then we're going to read it together. You can go to the next slide. I'm constantly positioning myself for the promises of God. I read scripture often, search out the promises of God, meditate on them, and even memorize them. I know that all the promises of God are accessible to me in Jesus Christ. I know and understand my responsibility in each promise and have, and have been given everything necessary to grow in godliness. Therefore, with the Holy Spirit as my helper, it is easy for me to practice my responsibility. I'm a doer of the word of God and not only a hearer. My mind is constantly being renewed and I'm becoming more Christ-like each day. The word of God is in my heart and on my lips. I guard my tongue and only speak words that line up with the promises and word of God. I trust God's word and live life positioning myself for his promises. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can we stand and we're going to pray that together as a kickstarter. Are you guys ready? Can I get a woohoo? Okay, very quiet here this morning. I hope uh, you haven't been sleeping. I hope some of the messages have gone in. But let's, let's pray that as a, as, a, as a challenge of our life. We don't need to be there yet. We are actually proclaiming where we are going. Amen? So let's, let's, let's start. One, two, three. I'm constantly positioning myself for, for promises. I read scripture often, search out the promises of God, meditate on them, and even memorize them. I know that all the promises of God are accessible to me in Jesus Christ. I know and understand my responsibility in each promise and have been given everything necessary to grow in godliness. Therefore, with the Holy Spirit as my helper, it is easy for me to practice the promise. I'm a doer of the word of God and not only a hearer. My mind is constantly being renewed and I'm becoming more Christ-like each day. The word of God is in my heart and on my lips. I guard my tongue and only speak words that line up with the promises of God. I trust God's word and live life positioning myself for his promises. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.